the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast. How you doing? My name is Nick DiGilio. I am your host. You are listening to the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network on the planet. I am Nick, and uh, we are here for episode number 209 of the Nick D Podcast, a pop culture entertainment review podcast that's been around for two years now. Having a great time. How are you? Happy 2024, everybody. And uh, Dan Feinberg is going to join us. He is my main man. We have a lot of really tremendous regular guests on this podcast to entertain you and inform you and keep you up on all the really cool, fun things. So Dan Feinberg, one of our regular guests, he is a TV critic who writes for The Hollywood Reporter. He's been writing about TV. He's a great critic. He's been doing this for years and years and years, a couple of decades, need more than a couple of decades. Been a part of my show back when I was on the Car Wash radio station. Uh, and I've uh, been a part of this podcast since the very beginning. We have them on every other week to talk TV. There's always a lot of TV to talk about between broadcast television and specials and streaming and cable and all of the other crazy ways that people consume television. We are on top of it with the one and only Dan Feinberg. You can check him out at The Hollywood Reporter and at The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, The Fine Print. Lots of new TV stuff to talk about. Reviews of new things, whatever he is writing about in the fine print, we'll discuss it. Golden Globes were handed out uh, a couple of nights ago. We'll briefly talk about that since the Golden Globes are ridiculous. That'll be coming up. And then my old partner, Esmeralda Leon, joins me. We're going to talk more about uh, dumb people and dumb uh, warnings. And uh, we have some Mexican candy that we're going to taste test, although uh, something happened with my delivery of Mexican candy. It never showed up. But Esmeralda has a bunch, and so we like to do taste tests of weird and fun foods and candy. So Esmeralda's going to do that, and we're going to talk about dummies as well. So the great Esmeralda Leon joins me, as she does all the time, and the great Dan Feinberg joins me to talk about TV. And we love to have you join us here at the podcast. If you want to be a sponsor on this podcast, you should do it. Lots of people listen to this podcast, so you should advertise on this podcast immediately. Send us a note. Say, I would like to buy some time and advertise on this podcast, the Nick D Podcast. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. We'll get you hooked up. You'll be a sponsor and everybody will be happy, including uh, you, your company, and the people who buy your product. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Get in there now. Uh, if you just want to join us and uh, leave a comment or a question or a request for the Magic Megaphone, you can do that. Our voicemail system is open 24-7 and exclusively for you. We want to hear from you. Call us anytime you want with anything you want to say. 773-417-6948. Leave those voicemail messages. I listen to every one of them. And I play many of them back on the podcast. So anytime you want to say anything about this podcast or anything else, 773-417-6948. Drop us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sound. Uh, please take time to share, rate, and review us on every single platform. And check out the 24-hour streaming service that is free right here for Radio Misfits. Radio Misfits uh, has some of the best 
and most varied and entertaining and informative and funny and awesome and suspenseful and cool podcasts of all time. You should check them all out. Uh, and you can do that by listening to our streaming service, which is 24-7. It is also free. It's just like radio, only a lot cooler. Radiomisfits.live. Radiomisfits.live. You can hear unheard music from unsigned bands. That'll be uh, sprinkled out throughout the day. Plus episodes of all the great podcasts here, including my podcast. You can hear this podcast daily at 3 p.m. Central on Radiomisfits.live. And you can hear my other podcast, which is all about Saturday Night Live. And it's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. You can hear that daily at 9 a.m. Central. So both of my podcasts are, um, are broadcast daily on the, uh, uh, on the streaming service. And you can hear all kinds of amazing, really cool stuff. So mark it. Listen to it. It's free. It's streaming. It's 24-7. It's Radiomisfits.live. Hope everybody uh, had a... Now, we're, we're, we're back now into the regular grind of things. You know, the shortened holiday weeks and the holidays and all that stuff. It's all done now. And now uh, we've got here in Chicago, we've got like a, a crazy winter storm coming in and then it's going to dump a bunch of snow on us and then it's going to melt a little bit and then it's going to go down to like 20 below. Basically, it's January in Chicago. So welcome to the brand new year, 2024. Uh, and I hope everybody has a great year. I could use a better year. <laughs> Actually, last year was great up until around November and then things started to get really uh, crazy uh, for me personally. There's some stuff happening with my with my folks. My folks are elderly and they're kind of ailing right now. And I'm an only child, so I'm dealing with a lot of crazy medical and mental and aging and uh, you know uh, senior things that are happening with my folks. And being an only child, when both of your parents are ailing at the same time, uh, both physically and mentally, it's a little draining. And there's a lot going on. So the last uh, month or two of 2023 were pretty shitty, quite frankly. Um, my folks are in a bind a little bit right now. By the way, I got a GoFundMe page if you want to help out. My folks got some medical stuff happening, and they're not covered the way they should be, and they've got some debt that I didn't even know about. So I threw a GoFundMe page out there. If you want to try it out, check it out. It's uh, my, my name, Nick DeGilio. You can Google it, GoFundMe. Uh, it's a GoFundMe page to help uh, pay for some of the incredibly, incredibly uh, overwhelming things and bills that are happening right now in terms of both of my elderly parents struggling at the same time <laughs> in very different and uh, very heavy ways. So if you can help out, that'd be great. I got a GoFundMe page. Google it. Look it up. GoFundMe search. Nick DeGilio. Find it. It's, all the money goes towards my parents um, and uh, their physical needs and their mental needs and their medical needs, especially in the bills that are piling up and all that cool stuff. So if you can help out, God bless you. That'd be great. Good thoughts would be, uh, would be nice too. Send them my way. Send them my parents' way. Um, you know, as parents get older, it's always tough, but man, when you're an only child and both of your parents kind of go down at the same time, it ain't easy. So it's been struggling. And I've also, uh, want to shout out to my regulars, you know, who are part of this podcast, uh, and, you know, Esmeralda, my partner for being flexible over the past couple of months and whatever is going to be happening within the next, uh, few weeks and months, because it's kind of all up in the air and it's kind of crazy. So I want to thank everybody for being flexible. Ed at Radio Misfits, um, you know, for let's letting me change schedules and recording schedules to suit what's been happening in my personal life with my folks and stuff like that. So it's been a very, very stressful, heavy, scary time right now. And my outlet is this podcast, my outlet to have fun and to get some laughs and to talk with my good friends and incredible partners and incredible contributors who, who provide entertainment and information for you and for me. That's the highlight, you know. The only time that I'm not kind of like going crazy is um, 
is when I'm with my girlfriend and when I'm recording and doing this podcast. So my thanks to everybody behind the scenes who's involved at Radio Misfits and all of my regular uh, guests and all of my cohorts and all the people involved for being so flexible and for working so hard to make all of the crap that's happening in my personal life manageable for this. So my thanks to everybody behind the scenes and my thanks to you guys for listening and for the support and all that cool stuff. And again, the GoFundMe page is out there. I just, you know, uh, Nick DeGilio, GoFundMe. It's for my folks. And if you can contribute any money, um, I would be eternally grateful because it's been a rough, rough, rough stretch of time. But uh, here's somebody who cheers me up. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you. Hi, do, I'm yes, Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Looked beautiful at the Golden Globes uh, the other night and did a fantastic presentation. One of the few moments of that show that wasn't shit, actually, was she and Ray Romano were teamed up to uh, present an award, and she was lovely, and he was great, and two of my favorite people. Uh, on stage at the same time, so that was fun. But Carrie Russell, lovely. You you looked lovely at the Golden Globes. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. I know Russell, you did. Yeah. I right. love Nick's show. All right, cool. Well, now that I've given you the spiel, I've explained a little of the craziness that's happening in my life and thanking everybody that's involved from the people who put this thing together to the people who listen to you, the subscribers, to everybody. Thanks for all the support and stuff. The last couple of months have been shitty. Let's make it better in 2024. And if you can help that, that'd be awesome. All right. Speaking of greatness, Dan Feinberg is going to join us. He's our TV guy. And it's time to talk TV right after I tell you that it's, you need to be congratulated. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackoff. Ah, yes. It's the wonderful, memorable theme put together by Jason Skaggs for the one and only Dan Feinberg. Dan Feinberg is the finest TV critic of the world, as far as I'm concerned. Writes for The Hollywood Reporter, has his own uh, uh, website there called The Fine Print. Articles are hooked up all there, and that's F-I-E-N, because that's how he spells his last name. Dan, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy New Year, Nick, and to all of your listeners. There you go. Happy New Year. We're here. And it's the first, as I was just saying earlier... It's the first full week without any, you know, like, oh, I'm going to take a day off because it's New Year's. and This is the first full let's get back into the regular kind of schedule thing, whatever that means. It it sucks, doesn't it? I think that was the only (laughs) point you were making there is it sucks. No, you are completely correct. So we're back to 2024. We're off and running and uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Um, Some new shows, a couple of... uh, Shows that are out there already, and of course, the Golden Globes uh, aired uh, two nights ago. We will talk about that. And of course, we have to talk about TV's Top 5, which is your podcast that we love to talk about. Tell everybody how they can hear it, when it drops, and all that great stuff, and what's the latest episode about. Indeed. Uh, Well, the most recent episode, which dropped last week of TV's Top 5, was a sort of 2024 preview. It was basically Leslie Goldberg and and myself talking about what we're excited about in 2024. And there's a lot of big TV coming up this year. So that's what this past week's episode is. But every week it is Leslie and, and, uh, and me going over... 
all of the week's big television news. Uh, I do normal review segments. We talk to showrunners, etc. This past week, it was just the two of us. I think this week, it may also be just the two of us. We're sort of slowly ramping things up. We took two weeks off over the holidays, and that yeah. kind of threw us off schedule. As folks know, that happens. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so you can you can listen to TV's Top 5. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Available everywhere on platforms all over the place. It's called TV's Top 5, and of course, it's hooked up at the ra- at the Hollywood Reporter. By the way, that noise you hear in the background is uh, is my my ninety five year old uh, radiator that I'm. I assumed it was radiator, but it also kind of has the sound like it's kind of a group of tap dancing mice on yeah. your radiator. So yeah, it could be at this point, it could be. But yeah, it's uh, we're 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 settling in right now because we're supposed to get a pretty solid storm this evening, uh, and uh, and some inches of snow, and then uh, by the weekend, it's uh, wind chills uh, in the twenty below area. So Goodness gracious. I mean, I have to say, uh, yesterday, temperatures fell below 50 in Los oh Angeles. Oh, my God. And, and Are you okay? I, well, I'm fine. I'm just bundled <laughs> up. You know, I'm I'm covered in various blankets and sweatshirts, yeah. uh, et cetera. So, I, I anyway, remember, brutal in, is in what Richard, I'm saying. Richard Pryor here and now, uh, the third concert film that he did, which I, I back. A lot of people don't like it. I love it. But Richard Pryor here and now, he talked because he, he it, that was, uh, was filmed in uh, New Orleans. And... He talks about, boy, if it gets cold down here, what does it get, 50? And then he starts talking about how he got off of a plane from L.A. and went back to Illinois because he's from Peoria and, you know, uh, and talked about how he tried to take all the little jacket, you know, his jacket and try to wrap it around him when he got off the plane in that in only that way that where, you know, Richard Pryor can bring weather to life through vocals, you know, and paint (laughs) the picture of like wind going up your ass and this and all that and. Fantastic. What does it get? But I, I always remember that. What does it get cold down here? Does it get 50? <laughs> it is It is true in New Orleans, and it is yeah. also true in Los Angeles, but it yeah. did get down to 47, I believe, oh last God. night, according oh. to my app on my phone. So so go. pray for us all is what I'm we, saying. Yes, exactly. As we are digging out cars and uh, making sure our pipes don't freeze over. So that's, uh, there you go. Fine. Uh, I'll pray for you, too. Thank you. Nick. Thank you Jeez. very much. So check out TV's Top 5 at uh, The Fine Print and The Hollywood Reporter. All right, well, let's get to it, uh, and then we'll talk about the good stuff. Um, Golden Globes uh, were aired um, Sunday night, and uh, I watched it. I had it on. I was, like, folding laundry and doing other things, but I was watching it. Um, and it was uh, a train wreck, as I guess expected. Can, can, uh, in, 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 a, in a few words, can you sum up why... Or not maybe in a few words, but for people who might not know why the Golden Globes have been shunned and why they've lost all credibility, what little credibility they had, and what is the story? Because a lot of people are like, I don't understand why everybody hates the Golden Globes. What did what did the Hollywood Foreign Press do? If there's kind of a way that you can sum it up as to why they have the reputation that they have now, I, I think it's two different things. Okay. I, I think for years there was the. Hollywood Foreign Press is a bunch of junket whore journalists, many of whom don't actually write for publications. Therefore, we don't know who they are. We don't know what they do. And it's kind of ridiculous that anyone puts stock into what they say. And then they give their awards to ridiculous stuff. And you can kind of count on uh, various different Golden Globes, HFPA 
ticks like they always love to be the first one to annoy an attractive young actress regardless of any of her performances and everyone will always bring up Pia Zadora winning newcomer of the year and whatever year she won and then there were all of the completely unreliable and ridiculous things like that year that The Tourist starring Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie was nominated for like four or five different things in the comedy category when it was both simultaneously an atrocious movie and by no reasonable definition of comedy things like that over and over you know was the Martian a comedy I can kind of tolerate the idea it was but regardless so okay those are the reasons why we thought ha 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 Golden Globes funny let's make fun of them but we're also going to watch because it's kind of kooky and crazy and everyone gets drunk yeah however the next step of things is that a couple years ago, the Los Angeles Times had a story where they basically broke down the economics of the Golden Globes and the sheer amount that people were being paid to be voters in this thing. So people were getting five figures, six figures to be HFPA members and voting in this and Also, discussion of the lavish junkets that they went to and the lavish gifts they received from various people. And then on top of that, there was the fact that at some point, I believe the answer was zero black members in the organization. Yep. Uh, Which I've always thought was a little bit of a misdirect because the organization was wildly diverse in international terms once you accepted the fact that the people who were in the organization were not really, for the most part, actually entertainment journalists and were kind of ridiculous and their choices were ridiculous. So anyway, those are the two reasons why (laughs) simultaneously people used to laugh at the Golden Globes but still show up. Then there was a couple weeks where people were like, oh, this is this is beyond the pale. We can't do this anymore. And so there was one year where the Golden Globes said, oops, we're too embarrassed to do this. Uh, We're going to just put out basically a press release. Everyone was like, okay, we're never going to see the Golden Globes again. Then they went back to NBC last year. They had an entire telecast where Gerard Carmichael apologized for why he was doing it at all. And it was awkward, but everyone was kind of like, okay, well, at least they did that. Then NBC said, we don't want to do the show anymore, or we don't necessarily want to do the show at the cost at which we've been doing it, et cetera, et cetera. So the Golden Globes moved to CBS, but they moved to CBS on a one-year deal, kind of CBS saying, "Eh, let's see what we can do. But, and see, I can, you asked for a short answer. I am not giving you a short answer, Nick. People need to know. People need to know. I think the more more familiar you are with the crazy story, the better it is when when we talk more about it. But at the same time, in the last year and a half, the ownership and makeup of the organization has shifted. The Golden Globes are no longer a thing produced by the uh, Hollywood Foreign Press. The Hollywood Foreign Press either doesn't exist anymore or doesn't exist as that anymore. The Golden Globes are now owned and operated by Dick Clark Productions and Eldridge Media, which are both under the same envelope as Penske Media, who happen to own The Hollywood Reporter. So that is Mm -hmm. the necessary disclosure that one has to make there in my case. Got it. Um, And so... The voting membership, which has now moved up to 300 people, at one point it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 85, Mm -hmm. it has now moved up to 300 people who are basically, that's what they do. They are the Golden Globe voters. They are paid X amount of money to do it, but it is kind of their profession. There is no ostensible claims that it is a journalistic organization. It is a group of voters whose responsibility is to actually watch things. Um... 
and no one knows who they are. That's the that's the fun thing. Barely anyone knew who the HFPA was. No one totally knows at all right now who's voting for the Golden Globes. Right. And yeah, so that is where we stand right now on the Golden Globes. I have no idea if that made it clearer or not, but no, that's where we are. That's where we are, and it's always always been a strange thing. Now, um, it was on uh, CBS. I have to say this: there was no coverage on E. So there wasn't. There was not. You know, normally. There's like five hours of, of like pre-show stuff on the red carpet on E. Um, locally, I don't know if it had something to do with the fact that there was a Chicago Bears-Green Bay Packers game right before it, um, which is which takes precedent in this city. I can tell you that is that as it should. If there's a, if there's a Packers-Bears game, that's gonna be you know that's gonna be watched, and the red carpet stuff will not. But I don't know if that was across the country. Did CBS? not do red carpet was it just because there was a bears packers game here in chicago and and in green bay that's why it didn't happen or no coverage of the nfl game the bears packers game or whatever the local game was continued into basically the hour when the show was starting there was there was no pre-cart pre-game red carpet whatever it. it was Got it was it. that. And and basically the point of that was the longer we can get people to stick around for NFL, the better ratings are likely to be. Right. And the ratings were up dramatically from last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, the ratings were up 50% in terms of overall viewership, uh, which was admittedly from a ridiculously low number. It was 6.4 million last year, and I think 9.3 million this year, something like that. And those numbers yeah. will shift because... You know, they're time zone dependent and all of that. Plus, we currently have no clue what the audience was that watched it on Paramount+. Plus. I think the assumption is that that audience is basically negligible, but no one knows right. for sure. And no one will ever know for sure. It will always be a mystery, unless it's huge. If it's huge, CBS will definitely put out a press release. But if it's anything less than huge, CBS will not acknowledge it. I think probably in a couple weeks, you can expect a here's what the total audience was and we'll just squish everything together and you won't be able to parse out where the numbers right. came from. Right. But that is where we stand. Okay. And as you mentioned uh, in your uh, brief explanation, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that there have always been issues with um, the Golden Globes in the past with like picking stupid things and splitting things up between comedy and drama. They both, they cover both television and film. Um and they also like for some reason in the supporting categories they don't split it up between comedies and dramas and they're they lump together limited series mini series and tv movies and made for you know so it's just it's just very weird how they bunch stuff together and categorize it and you know split it up between comedy slash musical and drama and uh, knowing that ahead of time, there's always a lot of like, what, how was that? How did that win? And how would this guy nominate? And then they added two ridiculous <laughs> categories um, this year. Uh, what were your thoughts? I mean, the, the stand-up thing is not as ridiculous. It's, it is, you know, kind of dumb. And Jim Gaffigan, you know, did the best he could with, you know, him coming out and giving that award. But the other one, I don't even understand the other award. The other award was, what's it called? <laughs> I, I no longer remember. It, it was outstanding achievement in blockbuster filmmaking, or something to that effect. But it's, like, it was like box, blo- it was like box office success slash cinem- critical acclaim, right? Or cinematic cine- and box office achievement is what the. What the technical- hell does that mean? Uh, um, I mean, okay, does it mean okay? Hey, you know what? Popular movies don't all suck, and yet they have the Super Mario Brothers movie in that category. Like, what do you? 
I mean, I can understand, I guess, because like Oppenheimer and Barbie are, were widely considered, although I hated Oppenheimer, but but widely considered great movies that made a ton of money. And I guess maybe that's what they were trying to go for. Well, ex- except also that if you read the industry trades, you read this summer two months of coverage of how Mission Impossible Dread, Dead Reckoning Part One was a box office disaster. That it was. Uh, yeah, right, right. That it was kind of the and death knell for the franchise. Too. And yeah, it was and nominated was, as well. Yeah. So. And, and but also they want you know they they wanted to make sure they got a little bit of star power in there so there was Taylor Swift the Eras right. tour which unquestionably right. was a right. box office smash Absolutely. but was it a cinematic achievement uh, no I don't know I did not see it I don't know how you would define it but hey there was Taylor Swift sitting in the crowd yep. with her famous friends so yep. it worked yep. uh, no that that category was stupid but I thought that the stand up category was also ridiculous given yep. that it was essentially a how many different slots can Netflix buy in yeah. this category? Yeah. And, I'll, you know, I don't watch every stand-up special, but I watch enough stand-up specials to know that those were not the six best stand-up specials of the year. I, yeah. I can do that without any problems whatsoever. Yeah. I, so I don't know what the parameters were. And then the winner was Ricky Gervais. So it thus became a thank you for all those years you hosted the Golden yep. Globes, Ricky. Here's an award. Yeah. And then he wasn't there. He wasn't so, there, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's start with Joe with Joe Coy. Now the thing is, I'm a fan of Joe Coy. Uh, I am, and you and you you talk about it in the in in the piece that you wrote. Like he's a you said he's a reasonably funny comic. I actually think he's more than reasonably. I think he's very funny. And 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 I loved him on when he was on at midnight. I loved you know I love his stand up. Um, I actually liked that Easter Sunday movie. Everybody hated it. I liked it. Um, I liked the fact that he and Chelsea Handler were a couple for a while because I like both of them for the similar reasons. And man, uh, it was a train wreck. And him trying to, like, in the middle of it, just say, hey, I didn't write half of these jokes, you know, and then repeatedly go back to that. Hey, I didn't write this. I didn't write that one. I wrote the I wrote the funny ones um, was and, 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 and what, like you say in the in the piece that you wrote, like, if this is your first exposure to Joe Coy, <laughs> you would never know that he's any good based upon what he did at the, at, for his monologue. The, the the truth is, and we will never know exactly what the numbers were, but I assume that the number of people who turned down this gig was in the thousands. Okay, yeah. that might be a slight exaggeration, but I'm sure it was in the dozens. There, easy, you know, easy, oh, for sure. Yeah, and so as this is speaking as someone who spent multiple years directly organizing the TCA awards and going out to talent and getting hosts and all of that. I know what the process feels like. And the TCA awards do not pay their host. It is a hotel room and the opportunity to be in front of a room of TV critics who might like you later kind of gig. This is, this is a paid gig. Um, I believe Gerard Carmichael said last year, exactly how much he He made for the gig. So it's, it's a well-paying gig, Uh, but there is no question that they went to every comedian in town who you've heard of. And they said, no, and they ended up with Joe Coy, who first and foremost was never going to be a good match. Whatever nope. it was that you think about his comedy, yep. the things he do does best are kind of character work, talking about his upbringing, upbringing, funny observational stuff about his family and about his mother and about his Filipino, uh, you know, traditions and yep. you know, yeah, he he is really good at that. What he is not good at, apparently, is getting on a stage talking about the year's TV shows and movies. Right. Right. But even still, 
after the process of what has what presumably was asking, begging every comic in town to do this, they only landed Joe Coy. He said 10 days ago. I, I don't know if that's the exact number, but mm-hmm. it was within two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Well, presumably there had to have been a writer's room that was already working on completely generic material for him or for whoever the host was. Yeah. And then nothing happened between the generic material, the host and the show. Right. Uh, that's the, like, that's like right. no one said, what can we do to make this a Joe right. Coy type event? Right. Yep. Nobody said, what can we do so that these punchlines are a little bit tighter so he doesn't go out there and bomb in a humiliating way. Yeah. Like, I I wonder, and this is with not an iota of knowledge, I wonder how much time he actually spent in the room with the writers. I, yeah. I wonder how much time he spent rehearsing. I, I wonder if, to some degree, somebody in a room said, he's not doing anything. I guess we're sending him out there to die. And yeah. And they just said they threw their arms up because that was as that was no, let's not say as bad. That was the worst monologue I have ever seen in a show of this scope. Like yeah. I've seen bad monologues to like I'm not gonna name any names, but yeah. we've had we've had we've had yeah. TCA hosts who yeah. were who were fairly big names who were Unfortunately, bad hosts. They did. Yeah. They didn't take it seriously. Whatever. I've been at events, journalism events, where it's sort of mid-tier, kind of C-list comics who come out and they do five minutes of of crap and they retreat to a corner after. And and the five minutes at a certain point become man, tough room, tough room, tough right. room, and and right. then they just walk off. You can tell when they're failing. Um, it was interesting to see Joe Coy realize immediately. That oh, yeah. he was failing. Absolutely. Like, the first five minutes he dropped the first, hey, this <laughs> the jokes you're laughing at are my jokes. All the other right. jokes were written by other people thing. Right, right. Which is only the most desperate move for yep. a stand-up comic. Absolutely. There's nothing else. It, yep. There's you, you can't get any more desperate than that, especially yep. knowing that in an ideal world, you're going to have to come back out on the stage again. And, and that's the thing we've talked many, many times about the phenomenon of hosts vanishing and how it's basically normal, but it's one thing to vanish. It's another thing to come out two or three times and to very clearly not have written material. Like he came out and made a half-assed joke about Taylor Swift and cutaways to Taylor Swift that didn't amuse her. That was the second time he came out. Then he came out and acknowledged Nick Cage's birthday, but didn't try to get the room to even sing to Nick Cage. So it was just like, hey, it's Nick Cage's birthday. Okay, next, our next host. Yeah. It it was astonishing how bad he was. Yeah, (laughs) it was horrible. It was horrible. And again, I'm a fan of this guy. But like it, when I heard that he was the host, I went, "What?" Like, <laughs> as much as I like this guy, he's not. This is not the guy. And again, as you've discussed and said, you know, he was probably the fiftieth person that they asked to do it. And he said yes, and they were like, "All right, he's a comedian. Just get him up on stage and let him do whatever he needs to do." But yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was embarrassing. It was terrible. And you could see, I mean, you could just see by the reactions of the of the crowd. I mean, I just, I think Martin Scorsese just wanted to go up and help him. Like, you know, like <laughs> I, I can, can I carry you somewhere? Can I do something? Um, and the material was so poorly written and mis- you know, and, and just like inconsistent and just, it was, it was terrible. Now, beyond that, um, 
you know, as we've said, we've said this a million times, uh, Succession is a comedy, but it won in every drama category. Um, and The Bear is now a drama, <laughs> but it won in all the comedy categories. I, Yeah, I mean, all of that stuff to me is just that, that again, is baffling to me, but that's always been the case with, uh, with the, you know, with these things. Um, so I don't know. It- yeah, no, the the fact that indeed, as you say, a comedy won all of the drama awards yeah. and the show that won most of the comedy awards was is basically, you know, the the line I use over and over again when people say it's not a comedy, I say it's not not a comedy. It's it's got funny things to it. It's a show that has yeah. a sense of humor and that has a voice and I know it's not one of your favorites, but that's it's that's yeah. I, totally fine. It's yeah. how it goes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so the fact that you had a comedy winning all the drama categories and kind of a drama winning all the comedy categories uh, and uh, you know, I guess we'll talk in 2 weeks about the Emmys because the Emmys are yeah. next week. Right. But uh, but the fact that the Emmys are going to have to give their awards to presumably again to the bear, but those awards are going to be for the first season of the bear because that's how far behind they are. Exactly. But these were for the second season of the bear because it won everything last year. I it's, it it was such a mess, but Hey, you know, beef, deserved all you know, of the wins that it got I, in those categories. I was I was happy that beef won. I was, and I know it was cuz I mean as you know I'm not a, I think Oppenheimer sucks. And uh, and I, and I know <laughs> and after watching the the awards uh I, it's it's absolutely clear that that goddamn thing is going to be a train on 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 March 10th and win everything. It's going to win everything. And and you know and I mean it just ugh, uh but like you know Nolan will win and he'll win best picture Robert Downey Jr. who I think is terrible in Oppenheimer. Especially compared to like you know Charles Melton, who's unbelievable in May December, and Ryan Gosling, who's so great in Barbie, and other supporting performances are so much better. But he's gonna win because it's his time, you know, and all this other crap. And uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, uh, Killian Murphy's the one I wonder about. I don't. I don't necessarily know that he's as sure a thing because I. I think there may be a feeling that that uh, if Robert Downey Jr. is due, then Paul Giamatti is yeah. also yeah. due, which I can accept. And I thought he was great in the holdover. He's so great. I, yeah, he's great. He's and great. I and I and kind his, of loved, and his speech was one of the highlights of the of the of, oh, the, gold, of the Globes by far. He is such a genuinely goofy man yeah <laughs> and yeah. so unapologetically goofy like the fact that today all anyone has been sharing on social media has been uh paul giamatti and his golden globe at an in and out burger uh yeah. eating after the show yeah that that to me is so endearing and why would you not want to have paul yeah. giamatti have an oscar so yeah. but on the other hand i thought i i like killian murphy i i have no issues and he was he was very nicely genuine as well I oh thought. yeah listen i'm a fan of killian murphy i always have been i just don't like this goddamn movie <laughs> i just i but i love killian murphy i love him and i and, and listen like last year you know i've loved jamie lee curtis since i saw her in halloween when i was 13 years old I hate the movie that she won for, and I wasn't crazy. I mean, I thought she was fine in it, but I don't think she deserved the performance. Gary Condon should have won. But I was happy for her, you know, because I like her. I've always liked her. And the same thing with, you know, with, with, you know, with Gillian Murphy. You know, like, okay, he's a terrific actor, and he deserves some recognition. I just wish it was for a different movie. That's awful. Yeah. Uh, but of course, as as you and all the listeners know, the frequency with which people win Oscars for the wrong movie is yeah. is probably like eighty percent. You're so. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, I will say this now. Okay, let, okay now. So we talked. We've talked about how the, how bad the host was and how bad the material was. The material for the presenters was unbelievably horrible, with the exception of a few moments. It was like what 
who wrote this crap? And I have to say, and I don't know, uh, uh, the the America Ferrera, uh, Kevin Costner thing. I <sighs> was like, what the hell is going on? What was he? Did he did he drop the bit? Because it seemed to me like America Ferrera was setting up. Like she's like, oh, I love the bodyguard, and she starts quoting from the bodyguard. And then I my guess was that Kevin Costner was supposed to start quoting from her fantastic monologue about what it was, what the challenge the challenges of being a woman from Barbie. And he did he refuse to do it? Did he just then he starts rambling? I was like, what the hell is Kevin Costner talking? And I just felt bad for America Ferrera, who was smiling the whole time and trying to get back to the bit that was apparently written for them, I think. I was just uncomfortable during and then they finish, you know, they give the award and then they have they're standing up there again. I'm like, oh shit, he's gonna talk again. It's just it was what, what was your thoughts on that? I mean I'm with you on the uncomfortable aspect because I couldn't tell what was happening. I couldn't yeah. tell if if he and it's another one of those cases I couldn't tell if he had simply skipped the rehearsal and didn't know what the yeah. bit was supposed to be and then maybe yeah, yeah. And then maybe couldn't read the teleprompter because everybody was looking the wrong place. No one knew where they were supposed to be standing. No yep. one knew where the camera was. No one yep. knew where the teleprompter was. Yeah. It was a badly produced show. Terrible. That was the only time that I, I felt concerned because I wasn't <laughs> sure. Because, look, he might have had a little bit to drink. Yeah. He might have the flu i don't like i did not know if i was supposed to be worried about kevin yeah. costner because yeah. i don't want to worry about kevin costner i love yeah. kevin costner who doesn't yeah. love kevin costner me but that's okay uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh bod no come on <laughs> there's no point in disliking field of uh, dreams and bull durham and jfk star kevin costner <laughs> uh all right well the, the first two <laughs> but, i like i can't stand jfk but uh but yeah, oh i think uh, it's I think it's a great movie of a specific type. Um, yeah. But no, so all, but like there was the thing with, with Jonathan Bailey and Julie Gardner, oh, where yeah. he was like, can you give me some advice? And her advice was don't listen to Jason Bateman, except right. for podcasts. Right. And I wasn't sure if that was the start of something <laughs> right. and there was yeah. going to be follow up, but then no, that was the advice. No. And that was, that was it. Uh, no, it was it, and 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 then there were the few things where people were simply like I don't know if Andrew Day and John Baptiste were being were reading stuff or if they were just riffing. Well, I enjoyed them very much. Uh, sure, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed them very much because they're two legitimately personable people, and yeah. so I don't know if the script said talk about the Super Mario Brothers music, but they were they were just charming so fine yeah, yeah uh oh god there was also the bit with uh george lopez and gabriel iglesias oh where god. the bit was listing the six actors in their yeah. category and saying they all have it yeah I, I, that, yeah. that was it there was there was no humor right. to it there was no build it was yeah he's got it he's got it was it. nothing yeah nothing now what about what about oh now well, hold on a second what about hi i'm carrie russell and i love nick's show she and ray romano that seemed to be a bit that had potential but was weird and they tried to and because i love them both i was like all right you know what i mean because i i love both of them very much so i was like all right you know okay several things about that first yeah. of all that was the first thing in the show where you could tell what the joke was and that was okay. like 30 minutes in and as a result of being able to tell what the joke was it was better than anything that came before yes. and therefore you could be like 
Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Was it good? No. No, it yeah. wasn't good, but it was definitely better than what came before. Similarly, Kristen Wiig and Will yeah. Ferrell yeah, are well, just funny together. Yeah, no, that's it. As soon as they walk <laughs> out, you go, okay, this will be fine. You know what I mean? That's that's exactly what you do. And, and, and of course, and, they're dancing like idiots, and that's funny. And totally. And you, could, and you could go, once again, I see what the joke is here. And also, that was the only time in the show that anyone acknowledged what the Golden Globes used to be. And so, right. and so Will Ferrell making the joke about how the Golden yeah. Globes were supposed to be better than material yeah. like this. <laughs> right. it, it, it was fun. Again, I yeah. saw what the joke was, exactly. and that was enough. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, and then, uh, what about, uh, some of the, I, I was, I was concerned for, uh, Divine Joy's Randolph's, uh, uh, if she had enough tape, uh, on her, on her, uh, uh breasts. A little bit. I was like, I was like, my God, I mean, I loved, she looked fantastic and it was fabulous, but there were times when I'm like, oh my God, she is just going to pop right out. So that was, that was a little distracting, but lovely. And she's fantastic in the movie. She's so, very good in the movie. And yeah. I, I think she kind of, the, there, there were a number of winners who were badly placed in the audience and no, yeah. had to walk seven yeah. miles yeah. to get to the stage. And by the yeah. time they got to the stage, they were too flustered to do anything clear. Yeah. And I think she was in that category. And Beef, I think everybody from Beef. Everybody from Beef was in yeah. that category. Yeah. And, and yeah. Like at, at least Stephen Young just let emotion take over and yeah. he did the amusing thing about about Frozen. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. It, was, it was just sincere and... And kind yeah. of surprised and off the cuff, even though I don't yeah. think it was surprising he won. Totally fine with what he did. There yeah. were a lot of people, though, who by the time they made it up to the stage, enough time had passed that they had no idea what they were supposed to be doing anymore or why they were there. And right. then there's always the question of who is or isn't drunk at a certain moment. Right. But uh, there was there was a lot of messiness. <laughs> yeah, there was. Boy, it was a mess. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm such a, I mean, I was, th- uh, really thrilled that, uh, that, you know, Billie Eilish and, uh, um, and Phineas won because I love that song and I love that movie. It's my favorite movie of the year. And anytime Barbie won anything, I'm always very happy about it. And, and, and she was, every- we- and she was wearing David Burns suit from Stop Making Sense. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, and I, and that table would have been the table I want, I would want to sit at. I, I would want to sit with everybody at Barbie. That was just, cause I just love that movie so much. And. Anytime they won. But then I, I, I came to realize that was like, not only is Barbie not going to really win a lot of stuff, but it's everything is going to go to Oppenheimer in March. Everything. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, look, I, I will let you decide for yourself whether you feel more or less hostility to it than everything everywhere all at once, which also won absolutely everything. Yeah, I, I, I think I have I have more disdain. I think I have more disdain for uh, everything everywhere all at once. Um it's because uh, they're at least the scene in Oppenheimer where they test when they do the first test is pretty spectacular. Like that's a pre- pretty, that's an incredibly solid 15 minutes of film right there. So. I think, I think there's a lot about Oppenheimer that is technically outstanding. And so all of the various technical prizes that it's guaranteed to win in all the yeah. categories that the golden yeah. globes don't acknowledge. Um, yeah. I, I think a lot of those will be justifiable. I, I like it more than you do. I also like everything everywhere all at once more than you do, even though I liked it significantly less than the Academy did. I just, in years in which there isn't a film that I think is the masterpiece of all masterpieces, I prefer not to have one movie win everything. If if it's, yeah. you know, if it's the best movie ever, ever, I'm totally fine. Let it win seven or eight Oscars, but yeah. I don't need in a year in which something is, 
you know, the, whatever the front runner is, is well, yeah. not that kind of movie. I don't know. And I, and I don't think that Barbie deserves everything. I just think, you know what I mean? Like, I, cause, <laughs> cause I, I don't, I mean, I, you know, like, I think, I think like I, as much as I love Ryan Gosling, have you seen May, December? I have seen May, December. I, he, and I like Charles Melton. In it. I, I, I like him less than you did, but I think oh, he's, did you? Okay. I, I, no, I put him, I absolutely. I am happy for him, and I think he is a you know a good nominee, etc. I just don't necessarily think he needs to be, you yeah. know. But what? Also, also, I'm going to be honest. When you look like him, let someone who looks schlubbier have the Oscar, or <laughs> right. or someone who's at least aged, like you know Robert Downey Jr. Sure, is Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. an attractive man? He has been yeah. at times, but he's seasoned. He's he's gone through the oh, shit. Yeah. Let him. Oh no, he has. No, he has. And, and 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 listen again. Him winning, I think it's one of the worst performances he's ever given. But he's going to win. But he's Robert Downey Jr. And of course, he you know he's he's given so many incredible performances over the years, and you know had that great year in two thousand eight. You know, when he did the comeback and he had the, he was nominated for Tropic Thunder and he was nominated, he was nominated for Tropic Thunder and he's nominated for Chaplin. Those were the two, only two times he's ever been nominated. Um, and which is weird because he's given so many amazing performances. Years, it is, know? it is weird that in his career for those to be the yeah. two performances <laughs> that he's been nominated I, I, I for know. is, is strange. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll be, it'll be uh, interesting to see uh, what happens, but yeah, uh, train wreck, uh, of, of massive proportions, uh, the Golden Globes and, 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 and if nothing else, the Oscars, when we eventually get to them and the Emmys next week, they are both going to be hosted by professional awards host true you have you have anthony anderson next week he is a professional yes. he has hosted dozens of award shows yes. he will be fine he'll be jimmy great. kimmel is a professional yep. he will be fine and yep. i and i am positive that when i review both of those two telecasts i'm going to review those two hosting jobs on such a curve yes yeah. <laughs> so so they should <laughs> they should both be sending thank you yeah. letters to joe coy <laughs> there you go okay all right well that's the golden globes all right let's get into some some stuff i, I we have to you have to tell me about true detective uh night country is the fourth season of true detective um and how do we how do people i mean obviously the first one is considered the greatest would uh, were the other two considered at all because i like all three seasons <laughs> I, li- I actually like all three seasons uh, were uh, the we, other two considered at all yeah <laughs> a lot of people are just like ah screw because everybody talks about the first season and the first season is spectacular television and and uh, and i actually like the other two seasons i do but like this is the one where where I see the trailer for this and I see obviously Jodie Foster's and I'm like, well, this is this has got to be as good as the first one or at least close. Um, I think that the second one is generally viewed as a train wreck and I'm somewhat more positive on it because I think that the I, I think it's a I think it's a train wreck that tries hard. I think it's a big swing in a lot of ways. I've heard it described as attempting to adapt every James Elroy book ever all at once. <laughs> and I and I think that's a fair description. Like yeah, it just, no, that's it, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it tried to do too much, but I like the performances. I like I, I like the feel of it. And yeah. with the third season, uh, Mahershala Ali is fantastic in it. Yeah. I went back to my notes to try to remember any of the plot of the third season. None yeah. of it. I don't not, remember not any even of it either. A yeah. bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. Me he too. had to, he he had dementia. That and and that yeah. was kind of the hook of the character. Yeah. Nothing about what happened in it. That's so, true. Yeah. It's true. And and I think that I think similarly, people in general forget that third season happened, and that's mm-hmm. and like on Mahershala Ali's behalf, I think that's a little disappointing because I think he was very good. He was yeah. nominated for an Emmy, which he you know deserved to be, etc. So. Um, I, I think that this is likely to be better received because I think it is a much clearer and cleaner season than the last two. And I think that is much to its credit. And then 
it's tied directly in some ways to the first season in a way that none of the first two, none of the second, in the second and third seasons rather, yeah. that they weren't. So I think yeah. some people will also appreciate that. Okay. Um, I think it has flaws. So okay, so let's let's sort of take the step yeah. back. It is, yeah. it is uh, created by um, Issa Lopez. Um, who some people will know from her movie Tigers Are Not Afraid, which mm -hmm. is a really solid little genre piece, uh, kind of a somewhat horror movie about children who are victims of the drug war in Mexico. It's a, right. you know, it's a solid movie. It's it very, is. very low, very low yep. budget, but yep. it works. Um, yep. Agreed. And so this is the first season that Nick Pizzolatto had either somewhere between nothing or very little to do with. He's... You know, he's credited as executive producer, but so are Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. And I assure you, Woody Harrelson not <laughs> reading scripts for the new season of True Detective. Yeah. Um, I don't so... think he read scripts for the White House plumbers <laughs> either, but that's just me. Hey, excuse me. Gold, uh, I think he, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, Golden, see, Golden Globe, Globe, Golden Globe yeah, nominee. He, was so. he wasn't there, but he got nominated. Yeah. <laughs> How often is Woody Harrelson yeah. truly there? Yeah, it's true. Um, it's true. It's the certainly it's not the getting a COVID shot. I know that much. <laughs> it's the David Letterman, uh, Joaquin Phoenix line. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joaquin Phoenix couldn't be here tonight. Um, I, I think it's always appropriate with Woody. Um, so anyway, the plot is it's it takes place in the north of Alaska, above the Arctic Circle, and. Uh, Jodie Foster is the head of a local police department and Callie Reese, who is a relatively inexperienced actress, who is mostly known as a championship boxer. Uh, um, she plays a Alaska state trooper who used to work with Jodie Foster in the police department. Anyway, there is a, a horrible tragedy that happens at a local research facility and the tragedy tra ties into the death of a native woman six years earlier. The crime also happens on the last day of daylight in Alaska. So it's one of those, mm. it's now all darkness, kind of the mm. inverse insomnia, of yeah. insomnia, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, or or 30 days of night without the vampires. <laughs> right, right. Except that there are, it's, there are supernatural undertones and there's definitely ghostly stuff happening, but as to how much of that really just has to do with people under a lot of stress in a place where there's no daytime, it's, it's ambiguous. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's only six episodes. And I think that's a miss. The first three seasons were all eight. Uh, I would have loved two more episodes simply because I would have loved to spend more time in, in this place. And that to me is what this season is best at. It's kind of establishing what this Alaska community is like, what the people are like. There's a, there's a mine that people are protesting. There's the indigenous tribe that is upset about, well, the mine and other various things. Uh, there's, there's a lot of texture to this. And, and I think by the fourth and fifth episodes, there's so much plot that it mm -hmm. has to leave the texture behind and just be the plot. Um, one thing that, you know, everyone loves the first season and it depends on whether or not you, how you feel about the finale. And uh, there were a lot of people who got to the finale of the first season and there was a lot of conviction, especially in fun online circles, that there was supernatural stuff afoot that season. Yeah. Uh, you know, people people were like, Cthulhu's coming out of out of the ground and right. going to devour everyone, right. which was never what the, the show was. But right. 
whatever. People were disappointed then when that was not the case. And so that led some people to feel like the season went off the rails. It was, you know, a little bit flat, but Mm -hmm. like a flat circle, as it were. Oh, look Uh, at that. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But, But like I said, there are things tying the fourth season to the first, which there weren't with the second and third seasons. Uh, There is... Uh, the spiral image, which appears on one of the dead bodies from the tragedy at the lab on their forehead, and that appears several other places that is the same spiral that people were seeing and drawing throughout the first season. Uh, There's at least one key line of dialogue a little bit later that is a direct callback to the first season. And I think some people will dig that. I don't know that it's necessary. To some degree, it does feel like kind of pandering, because I think if you removed that stuff, it would not impact anything negatively. Yeah. Uh, But but I thought that the, the sixth episode of the resolution of this season... A little bit ridiculous, but also weirdly satisfying. And I think that's the first season of True Detective where I would get to, where I've gotten to the end, and I've been like, "Yeah, that was kind of a satisfying ending to what oh, this okay. season was." Okay. Uh, even even though as it was playing out, I was like, "Really? Is is that what's happening here?" Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Not going to spoil okay. anything more than that. Okay. But like, as soon as it was done happening, my response was, "Yeah, that's probably right." Yeah, <laughs> I, okay. I can see that. So, so I think that is a that's sort of the level on which I'd recommend it. I really would have liked for it to be eight episodes instead of just six, but mm-hmm. it's it's good, and I think people are going to like it better than the last two. Are the episodes, do they run an hour? Do they run longer? Because we know how they vary in terms of streaming services. But HBO is pretty pretty good about their hour shows being about an hour, right? Yeah, the episodes are about an hour. I think the finale might have been up to 75 minutes. I yeah. think uh, a couple other might have been, you know, 62 minutes. And mm-hmm. then I think maybe one is 50, but it's roughly an hour. Roughly an hour. Okay. All right, True Detective. Uh, and that it, that starts airing on Sunday. Um, Indeed. Sunday night. Okay, excellent. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, speaking of cold and places that are cold, Fargo. Um, uh, the latest uh, season of Fargo, there's two episodes left. Now, you've seen all of them. I have indeed. Uh, I, I love this season. I love it. And although it was, I thought it was very strange, going back to the, to the Golden Globes, well, like, I, while I was watching it, like, how the hell did these, how did Juno Temple and John Hamm get nominated? How many episodes did they get to see? Did they, I mean... I, I I was like, wait a minute, they're nominated for this season of Fargo. <laughs> what? I don't know. It, I found that very weird. It was it was confusing. I th- I think the assumption is presumably that they were basing it on the first seven, uh, because that was what aired in 2023. I, I you know it to to me it it shouldn't be allowed to be based on anything else. Uh, yeah. But I, I'm totally fine with you watching six or seven episodes at the start of the season saying that Juno Temple and John Hamm were worthy of recognition. So. Oh, they're fantastic. I mean, my God. Um, and, I mean, everybody is has, is great in that. I particularly, I'm loving Jennifer Jason Lee in it. I just am eating up everything she does. No. But the show is so great. And I think Juno Temple, people who don't, I mean, people know her, you know, if they know her from Ted Lasso and some other things, I think the people who are watching this are probably going to be, have been probably astounded by her, I would guess, in this. I, I think so. And I think it's I think it's a, a performance that actually really does a good job of blending the two sides of her, because I think that everyone loved her Ted Lasso performance and she's great in Ted Lasso. Yeah, I think Ted Lasso captured the bubbly comic side of her presence. And so yeah. there's a lot of that in her Fargo performance. But th- there's a lot of serious drama, especially in the past couple episodes. Oh, man. Uh, the last one, man. <sighs> Yeah, the um the the Linda episode in particular yeah. with with the puppets I yeah. thought was such a great oh. showcase for her. Yeah, and absolutely. 
And there's some rough stuff. I mean, that last the last episode was the one where um you know, Ham she's chained in the room and and uh and Ham goes, I mean, it's brutal. I mean, just my god. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that annoys me a tiny bit as a TV critic because uh my review was based on the first 6 episodes and, and I did I think I referred probably multiple times to kind of the relative lightness of the tone. Oh yeah. And then that um, happens. <laughs> and and then, and then the seventh and eighth episodes are extremely yeah. dark yeah. and you know, it doesn't change my feeling about the first. Six episodes, sure. Of course. It probably course. changes my feeling about the shape of the season and its undergrounds yeah. are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah no, that, I was, I, when I watched that, when I watched the last episode, I was like, Ooh, I'm going to, and, it and it's a great episode. It's fantastic. Uh, but it's like really, intense and dark and i'll tell you what that kid from stranger things because i don't care about stranger <laughs> things he's fantastic in uh in fargo i mean you know doing so much more because i've only seen him in stranger things i don't know him from anything else really do i should i know him from anything else uh no 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 definitely i yeah. mean he's he's been in other th he's popped up in other things for sure yeah. but no you should yeah. know him but from, he's you should, you should know him from stranger things oh god he's terrific in fargo i mean he's so good uh yeah he's uh, He's also, to his credit, ultimately became really good in Stranger Things as well. Yeah. Um, it just, with that one, it was became, and similarly, I guess, to some degree to Juno Temple, when they realized that he was extremely funny, that was when he became really good on Stranger Things. They, right. The first season, he's basically just a huge jackass, and, yeah. and that's all it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and not funny. At some point, someone realized if you paired him with the younger kids, he becomes a really, really funny big yeah. brother type character. Yeah. Well, this is obviously not that. This is a yeah. much darker and and yeah. and kind of sad and more haunted performance because mm -hmm. it's it's very much a a son in desperate need of both a father figure and a mother figure who yeah. is completely and totally morally adrift. And yeah. I, I think he's doing very well with that. Yeah. I think most of the cast is, uh, is it's, just it's great. It's great. I mean, it's just, great. it's absolutely great. And, uh, and the use of music, I love the needle drops <laughs> and, and how varying weird and how weirdly varying they are. And I just, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. I love, I love Jeff Russo's score. I think yep. Jeff Russo does not get enough yep. credit for how well he, how well he scores the show and then the occasional little snippets of the Carter Burnwell yep. score from the movie. When, whenever they pop up, I, I, I cheer whenever, yep. whenever the, the, the Fargo theme pops yep. into the score, it makes me so happy. So yeah, yeah that's, that's a great, it's a great, it's a great show. season. Great season. Two more episodes left. Fantastic. And everybody's great in it. And I, and I do love the fact, I, I don't know if we, I, if I mentioned this the last time we spoke or one of the times that we spoke, uh, I love the fact that on the day that Henry Kissinger died, the number one search, search on Google was not Henry Kissinger, but it was uh, John Hamm nipple rings. Yes, that you, was... <laughs> you mentioned that. And yes, it is probably it's it's what Henry Kissinger would have wanted. Exactly. All right. And then uh, really quick, speaking of John Hamm, uh, this animated show that is part of the uh, animation domination uh, set on Fox, uh, it, does it debut this Sunday? Uh, last Sunday, I think. Oh, it did last Sunday. Yes. Oh, yes. oh God. Okay. Uh, I didn't even, okay. I, I have to, it's called Grimsburg and uh, it's is John. Indeed. And is he like executive producer, like part creator? I know he's the voice of the main character. Uh, he's, he's an executive producer. No, oh, executive not producer. Creator, okay. But. Okay. So tell me about Grimsburg because it looks fantastic. And you know, John Hamm rules. So what's, what's going on with Grimsburg? <laughs> it's not fantastic, but it has the potential to be good. And, okay. and that is, and you know, I don't know. Did you watch any of Crapopolis? Uh, I did not, 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 not. Okay. Not big, so not what I'm going to compare it to is what we were just talking about, about your girl, Carrie and, uh, and Ray Romano. 
with Crapopolis, I, I watched four or five episodes and, and I just don't know what the joke is. I, I don't know yep. what the joke is. I don't yep. know what the voice is. And and it doesn't work yep. with Grimsburg. A lot of it isn't necessarily funny, but I can tell what the joke is. I can tell what the voice is and I can tell how it could be good. And I think it does get better. I've seen four episodes. The premise okay. is that it, that basically John Hamm is a is a detective in a small town that in 1848 uh, blundered a virgin sacrifice and thus has been cursed uh, for 200 years. And okay. the curse is basically that there are killers operating in Grimsburg constantly. And uh, and episodes yeah. kind of take a, um, each episode is kind of playing off of a murder mystery or true crime okay. structure. So there's okay. one episode that's kind of a, a, chamber mystery in the Agatha Christie vein. There's one episode that's uh, my favorite episode. That's a uh, summer camp slasher movie takeoff, etc. And, and I think that a lot of the jokes feel a little bit first drafty to me that I would have loved for somebody to have been like, okay, let's punch that up one step more. Yeah. Uh, because I see where things are going. And especially in the early episodes, there's a lot of times when you can simply, basically predict the punchline in your head. And, and yeah. that's always a little disappointing to me. Yeah. But by the time I got to the third and fourth episodes, I was chuckling with some regularity. John Hamm is kind of gruff and amusing. There's a lot of good uh, background voices and secondary voices. Uh, Rachel Dratch voices his, oh, awesome. uh, his, his little son. Um, and uh, Aaron Hayes, who I always loved in things, plays his ex-wife, who is a TV reporter who was raised by bears. And <laughs> and she has a horribly scarred face and a tag on her ear. <laughs> and <laughs> See? Okay. All right. I'm into that. Again, and, and, un funny. and unlike Crapopolis, there's a lot of visual humor to it. There's a okay. lot of, hmm, that's an amusing thing to be popping up. Uh, and so, yeah, I... I I think there's I think there's potential here for it to be okay. really really solid, um, and I chuckled at it. So, cool. all right, Grimsburg, Grimsburg. Uh, started last uh, Sunday, and uh, I will catch up with it. And that's on Fox. And True Detective starts this Sunday. Indeed, all right, cool, very cool. And Fargo ends in a couple of weeks. So you, if you're behind, catch up because it's awesome. And um, and we and we want to be able to. Let's see when we next talk. It's going to be after the finale, I think. So yes. So yes. we should be able to talk about it. And and I really loved the finale of this okay. season of Fargo. So that's I, I, I have no I doubt say. that I'm gonna love it based upon all the other episodes that I thought were terrific. So uh what are we what are we looking to talk about next time? What are you writing about? What are you looking for? I, th I think to? we're I think next time we're gonna talk about the Fargo finale, and I think we're probably gonna talk about a lot about the Emmys, and hopefully we ah. will have more positive things to say about the Emmys than about the Golden Globes. I, I can't see that not being the case. <laughs> I, just, uh, I, just I mean, I can't either, but I still think that the fact that so much of what they're airing, that they're, what they're honoring is so old. Yeah. <laughs> agree. I just, I don't know how it's going to feel. I don't know how it's going to yeah. feel that it's like, okay, again, season one of beef, uh, you know, a yeah. year and a half after it aired or God, it's been a year and a half since, uh, since better call Saul aired. Are we? Oh, gonna, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Though there will be the disappointment of Better Call Saul trying to avoid going O for its entire series run, right. which right. is what it is. Uh, but yeah, so it's but it's going to be it's going to be Succession. So right. it'll be Succession all the way. So Indeed. all right, Dan. Always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, everybody should check out the fine print. F I E N. Read uh, the Hollywood Reporter and check out TV's top five podcasts where you can find all of your podcasts. Dan, always a pleasure. I'll talk to you next time. Stay warm, sir. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye. The great Dan Feinberg from The Hollywood Reporter in the fine print, F-I-E-N. And it's time also to talk to Esmeralda Leon right now. Esmeralda. 
Joins me on uh, every episode here on the Nick D podcast, and uh, let's say hello to Esmeralda. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm all right. Hey, uh, so it's we're we're kind of now into the groove of like it's a regular work week now for people. Like it's not shortened. Mm-hmm. It's not so. It's, this is like the first official sort of like real full week of 2024. So yes. everybody, everybody's back yeah. into this the, is regular now. Yeah, now it's regular. People are like, nah, no, New Year's Day was on a Monday. I'm not going to go in until Friday. You know, that that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, I think kids are back in school. Yes. yes. All that. Yes. As I was walking to the train this morning, I noticed that the a lot of kids in their backpacks being, you know, brought to school and everything. God, they, they mm-hmm. get to school early, man. This is like about 10 after seven. Kids, well, uh, I never realized, and I don't know how I did it, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I had to be—I had to be at school fairly early. It had to be before nine, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know how. And then I took, as a kid, I took the bus. So then you have to be even earlier. Uh, I—I can't. I don't understand how I got up. How I woke up every day <laughs> so early. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It seems ext- extremely or like these kids were going. I was walking past a school and this was on um, on South Shore on the south side. And I was walking to the Metro train uh, in the morning and this was like 10 after seven in the morning, mm-hmm. 10 after seven. And I was walking past the school and kids were going into the school at 710. That seems really, really early to me. I mean, I know. Yeah, getting well, to they school, could also be you can I mean, they have like early stuff. For kids who like, if their parents leave early or something, I know they yeah do for that. work yeah. So there's that because I know they do like breakfast at some schools and things they like do. that. So yeah. yeah, we used to have breakfast. It could have been school. that. We used to have breakfast at uh, at available at my school when I, when I went. Um, I went to a public school and uh, they had like yeah. a breakfast thing where you can get there early and have breakfast. I can't remember how much it was like fifty cents or something, but it was you know your basic scrambled eggs and whatever. And sometimes oatmeal or whatever, but yeah, they had it. They had the they had the breakfasts and things. But I just thought like ten after seven, man, you know. And I'm thinking the parents are walking the kids up to school at ten after seven. Like, what time did they get up? You know, to get to get their. Kids I mean, to that's school. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't know how I did it. I remember sometimes if I like, I would take a shower at night, and if I didn't, and I was going to take one in the morning, I remember like having to get up like a little bit before six. Yeah. Just man, to like make it. And I have no idea how. So, I know. That's so early. It's so Yeah. Because when I went to college, like I couldn't even fathom. Like I had 9 a.m. classes, 930. And I was <laughs> yeah. just dying. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how, how I did it as a kid, honestly. Yeah. I think, well, obviously maybe, you know, like when you're like, you know, 19 or 20, you're like, man, I don't want to get out of bed. 
like especially like if you were if you're a college student, maybe you went out the other night and you had a couple of beers or something. It's like I don't like it up. I mean, yeah, there's that too, but still, like I just couldn't even. I know you're still growing. Yeah. So I guess that could have been a, a factor in some sort of way because yeah i just i needed a lot of naps <laughs> <laughs> so when you were when you were going to school as tired. a as a, as, a, as a kid when you were going to school just like talking about school in general and just like i mean that was i mean i you know as i was walking past this this school this morning i was walking past and i was just thinking to myself man this is excessively early for kids to be showing up at school like 10 after 7 on a yeah. monday it was a monday so it looks like it varies Mm-hmm. Um, so some start at like 8 30. It looks like some start even earlier, 8 15. Man, that's early. Um so I think I we started know. at I think we started at 9 15 when I was a kid. And I was a and I think high school started at I think we started at 8 45 in high school. Yeah. Um 8 30 or 8 45 is when we started in, in, in high school. And we got out at like three. Uh, and three o'clock is like the normal time for school to end, isn't it? Because for me, it was like three or three fifteen when we got out of school most of the time. It was yeah, three. something like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and then you know, our our in high school, our classes were shortened on Wednesdays because we had chapel. Because I went to oh. Luther North. We had, it was a Lutheran high school, so there was a chapel service in the gym every Wednesday. Oh, and, and well, that, that was kind of nice. In oh, the it was sense awesome. Of like, yeah. Yes. It was, it was it er did you get yeah. out earlier? No, no, no. It, it, the the classes would the, the the classes would start later. So you would get there at like I guess like you know I don't know like eight forty or something like that for chapel and chapel service would be like forty five minutes long and then all of your classes were shorter that day. So all the all oh. the classes yeah. So you would sit through chapel, but then all the classes would be shorter. You'd get out at the same time at three o'clock, but everything would be instead of an hour, an hour or forty five minutes, the classes would be like forty or twenty minutes. On Wednesdays. Interesting. Yeah. And we wouldn't pay attention to anything in chapel. You know what I mean? I knew uh, some, some, some guys would go off and like before chapel, they would like, uh, you know, cause especially like senior year, you'd go off to chapel, you would go to McDonald's and get like a, a seven up and a big, uh, to go cup. And then you'd put like whiskey in it. And mm -hmm. you, would, you would like drink, Jesus. you'd drink whiskey at eight o'clock in the morning. So you could be a, a little bit tipsy, you know, or you'd blow weed, you know, or you'd go out yeah. like, into the alley and you'd blow a bunch of weed. So you were high and it would wear off by the second class. That's because nobody paid attention. I don't give a shit. There's, all these people who are like, oh, Luther North, we spent, you know, seven thousand dollars a year for our kid to go there. Yeah, they didn't pay attention. They don't care about God. That's that's all. Yeah, me. they don't. And they, they either were drinking a little bit before before, um, um, you know, before chapel service or they were blowing a whole bunch of weed. So they were either drunk, high or not paying attention. That's what was happening in chapel service for everybody who thought we were learning yeah, something. I'll I'll tell you this. I have some friends who are around your age and they say the same thing yep. that in high school, they would just be drinking. Yep. Like they would just get loaded in the morning. And I'm like, God, I know like, I can't even imagine like what? It just sounds so gross. I know. I know. And um, this was, I went to high school between 79 and 83. Um, so this is before you were born. And, um, and yeah, like around, you know, 79, 80 and all that stuff. Yeah, kids would go blow a bunch of weed before before school or get oh, drunk. I just it sounds yeah. so nauseating. Like yeah. it's yeah. so early. What do you yeah. <laughs> It was even worse in the 70s because when I went to grade school, you know, there would be like loser <laughs> there'd be like loser high school students who were hanging around the playground of our grade school. 
yeah. bef- before oh. school and they'd blow a whole bunch of weed and then they'd sell weed to eighth graders. I remember also the fun- amazed at how early they can get up. Yeah. To then hang out before my, school. My, yeah. I don't know how they, and you're right. You're absolutely right. Unless they're pulling an all nighter, which I can't imagine. Like getting, a, up, getting up early. And I'm like, I got to get up and get high. I got to get up, get high, and sell weed to a 12 year old at Hamilton. You know what I mean? That's what I have. That's, right. my, that's my schedule today. <laughs> no. So now it you, looks like yeah. I'm looking at CPS schools, and it looks like they start at like 8, 8 a.m. I'm, that's insane. 8 a.m., right? 8 15. Like, that's. Whew. Yeah. It's early. That's really, really early. I mean, how are you expected to get high? <laughs> right. Well, these are, I think most of the ones I'm looking at are elementary schools. But still, so. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> also, the kids now vape. So they can yeah. just carry it with they them. They can just carry it with them and vape up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So does, I wonder how that this was... one starts at seven forty-five. Jesus. Yeah, that's really ridiculous, right? Now, now I'm old enough, Esmeralda, and and I, maybe no, no, no. You would be, you wouldn't be old enough to remember this. There were smoking sections. There was a smoking section in my high school. Um, I don't think they allowed smoking at my school. Like regardless, yeah, I, I think by the time you got that, because I'm not. I'm 18 years older than you are, and so we had a smoke when I was in high school. The 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 section right outside. If you went outside the cafeteria. Outside, mm-hmm. there was like a there was an exit door that led to the to the near the parking lot outside. That was the smoking section for students. Like you could go out. Yeah, there we weren't smoke. we weren't allowed. It didn't matter if you were yeah eighteen. You could no, not, it wasn't no, the, allowed at all. Yeah, no, I mean these we, the, we we weren't eighteen. We were high school students. You know, we were like between the ages of fourteen and eighteen. And uh, and you there was a smoking section for the students. You could be like fifteen years old. You could stand outside and smoke during school which oh, perfe- all right then it was perfectly legal it was like yeah all right there's a smoking section so you're like 15 if you want to have a cigarette you could step right outside of the calf and you can blow you can blow you can blow a little weed while you're out there all right yeah, <laughs> yeah. this was the wonderful lutheran school too it's like let's all have chapel but you guys have a smoking section so <laughs> i think they i think they I think they got rid of the smoking section during my junior or senior year. But my when I was a freshman and I was a, when yeah. I was a freshman and a sophomore, there was a there was a, a, a designated smoking area for students. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, wow. that's, it was crazy, man. And I I would imagine that even earlier than that, because I think because like in the eighties, I think they were like, yeah, you can't, because the the whole non the no smoking sections became even bigger in the eighties. You know, like in restaurants and in, on planes, which never mm-hmm. made sense. Never made sense to me. Let's sit in the non-smoking. You're in a tube. You know what I mean? Like what? Yeah, there's a, it gets to you anyway. Like yeah. there's no, not even a partition. It was literally right. just like, no, these three seats. Yeah, just smoking. sit in the back. The, the ones behind you, non-smoking. Right. <laughs> it makes okay. sense. Like, what are you doing? There's not even a wall. There's nothing. There's nothing. I mean, it's not, you're not going anywhere. You can't open a window. You know, you're on a plane. Right. Yeah, you know? it was really bad. I remember being a kid and like just people smoking in a yeah. plane. And yeah. it's just like, how rude are you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when I was when I was younger, you know, not to sound like because I do, well, I, I, you know, uh, yeah. I am just an old man trying to get some wedges, which is, you know, what's happening right now. But like when <laughs> yeah. I when I was a kid, everybody smoked. My parents smoked. All of their friends smoked. All of my aunts, my uncles, my, you know, teenagers Everybody smoked, and there was a dirty ashtray and cigarette packages in every room of every house that you would visit from the basement to the third floor. Just cigarettes, yeah. dirty butts everywhere. 
And you smoked everywhere. You smoked in bars. You smoked in restaurants. You smoked on the street. You smoked in grocery stores while you were shopping in, you know, in like Kmart. People would light up in the Kmart and smoke. And you could smoke anywhere at any time. And every single person on the planet, it seemed, in my world, smoked. You know, smoked two, three packs a day. So it was just a regular thing. And so when non-smoking stuff happened... When there was no smoking, I remember people bitching about it. I remember people, like, oh, I'm not going to that restaurant. No smoking. How dare you? You know, I I did have friends that when the bar bar and restaurant thing, they're like, well, I guess I'm not going out anymore. And I'm like, OK, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny because like I had uh, I'm trying to remember when they the the non the no, the non-smoking thing happened in bars when you couldn't smoke in bars anymore. I think I'd quit by that point because I think that mm-hmm. was. It was in early 2000s when the yeah. no smoking in bars thing happened. And I quit smoking in, officially in 2003. Um, so I think I, I think I just made, but it didn't stop anybody. They would go outside and smoke and they come right back in. It was no, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what people still do. They still step outside, you know, because, you know, whenever I'm walking somewhere and I walk past a tavern or a bar or something, there's usually two, three people outside smoking. <laughs> They're clearly going to yeah. go back in. Unless you go to Richard's. <laughs> you can still smoke in there. You uh, can. Richard's Bar, yes. On on, on uh, Grand in uh, Milwaukee, yeah. and oh my god, they've never stopped. That's amazing. <laughs> wow, boy, I haven't been there. I used to love that place when I was a drinker. That they have um, they have one of those things that sucks the air out. I don't think it actually works, but <laughs> <laughs> you know. And also, I don't know who owns that place. They got, yeah, who know, you know. Richard. Richard, but I, th- I got a feeling Richard's they been got, dead for many people. years. Yeah, Richard knows some people. Yeah, Richard is, yeah, it's Chicago. You can grease a couple of palms and get away with anything in this goddamn city, you know? So, yeah, I liked the, you know, when they would have like the, because there's like, you have to be like, out, it has to be like outdoors. There are certain rules. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember Nick's uh, in Wicker Park, because there's Nick, there was Nick's in Uptown. That's closed now. It was a four o'clock joint. But there was also Nick's in Wicker Park, um, and I don't think it's there anymore. Um, it was on Milwaukee, and um, I'm not sure if it is. I, th- I think it still is, actually. And that was a four o'clock joint too, because both Nick's, the Nick's Uptown and the Nick's in Wicker Park, were both four o'clock joints. They were owned by the same, I guess, the same Nick. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I used to go to the one Uptown all the time. That's I used to go to that place all the time. I, um, after I'd get off uh, the air when I was working Sunday overnights. Mm-hmm. My my late night's show on GN was until 2 a.m. and I would go to Nick's or I'd go to the mill in Uptown. Either way. But used to go there all the time. But they had like uh, like an area that was quote unquote outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and you but it was like still enclosed and they had those sucking machines. You know what I mean? Those that you were just talking. Yeah. About. And it really yeah, wasn't outside. That was, that was, it, yeah. Because yeah. that was the way to get around it. Yeah. Was you have the suck machines. <laughs> Whatever mm-hmm. those things are, thing. and the, you know what else? You know who else did that? Was a fireside, another four o'clock joint on um, Ravenswood. Mm-hmm. The fireside on Ravenswood in uh, in um, Andersonville, um, right by uh, the the right by the cemetery. Um, yeah, whatever that goddamn cemetery is on Ravenswood. Um, mm-hmm. So, but they had a they had a like a back section that was quote unquote outdoors, but it really wasn't. And they had the suck machines out there, and that's where you could smoke to your heart's content. But yeah. And then, you know, like if you worked in a bar or you were you were friends with people and you hung out afterwards, as soon as that bar was closed and there were smokers in the bar, you would light up. Like it's not like you didn't smoke oh. in the bar. Oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah. It wasn't like there wasn't smoking going on. No, always the joke is like, oh, can we smoke in here yet? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> exactly right. Oh, man. Now, did you ever smoke, Esmeralda? Mm-mm. No? No? Okay. Never I, smoked, no. I did. I did for I did for a while. Um, I only smoked when I drank, but again, you know, I drank all the time, so I <laughs> <laughs> it was the only thing like I wasn't really a day, you know, like a day smoker or anything. I didn't smoke after meals or anything like that or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when I was drinking, I would I would smoke. And there was a period of time when I was drinking and smoking a lot. But um, but yeah. But yeah, I do remember people complaining. Oh, man, I'm never going to go out again. Yeah, right. And they adjusted. Yeah. Like, they adjusted. OK, well, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember thinking like how much I enjoyed it because I didn't come home smelling like smoke. You know, I'll tell you something, Esmeralda. When you quit smoking, because mm-hmm. uh, you, you're a nerd to it. When you're, when you're, you know what I mean. When you smoke, mm-hmm. um, you don't really even know how bad you smell, how bad you stink when you get home, because you're, you're smoke. Yeah. When I quit smoking, and I was still working in bars, like if I was bartending or hanging out in bars, and there was still smoking in bars, I'd come home and go, "What the fuck?" It was. I mean. Like I'm thinking to myself, yeah. shit. I I smelled like this all the time, and nobody said anything to me <laughs> you know like i'd get home and i i'd have no idea how shitty i smelled or how smoky or unpleasant it was and you know because it, it, it affects your no obviously it affects your your nose it also affects your taste buds when you smoke mm-hmm. yeah um and that in that actually improved over a course of time after i quit smoking like and then suddenly i could smell things better i could taste things better you know um, and obviously the damage it does to your lungs and the you know the, the fact that it causes cancer that's those are all good reasons to quit Mm-hmm. But once you quit and you start smelling your clothes that you wore in the bar, you're like, God damn, does this stink? It's unbelievable. Yeah, it was crazy. Like you couldn't wear anything again that you wore out because it just stunk. It stunk. Now, and you worked. Now, when you worked at uh, at the Brain, it was by by the time you worked at the Brain, it was no smoking in the bar, right? Yeah, it was no yeah. smoking. But I was going there um, when it was. When yeah, you could smoke, and it was yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, no, it was. I was there, and I'll tell you, the ventilation in that bar is not the not the greatest. I can tell you. Yeah, <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the brain, <laughs> it was no. And like I said, like I would come, I would sometimes just get, I would you would get just sick, like nauseous. Yeah, from yeah. all the smoke in there, it was yeah. real bad. Yeah, no, I remember that being smoking. You know, and, and I'll tell you, here's another thing, Esmeralda. People used to come to the factory theater and smoke during shows. Oh God! And, and we smoked on stage during this play I did called Alive. There were like it was it was about six guys like you know hanging out in an apartment telling dick jokes. That's basically the entire play because that's about that's the intelligence yeah. that's the intelligence level of my writing. It's like guys telling dick jokes. <laughs> um, but like four of the four of the six people in the play smoked on stage, mm-hmm. and then like people would bring booze in and smoke. And I remember there was a night when a whole bunch of like. Uh, industry people came like you know like a whole bunch of like I, I invited a bunch of people from bars and stuff to come mm-hmm. and because we used to hang out at Ginger's all the time and there were some people from Ties who came because we went to Ginger's well Ginger's is now AJ Hudson's on Ashland and Grace and Ties is still there Ties still four um, mm-hmm. and I remember like we would get groups of these people and they would just light up and I remember one night being on stage and it was literally like John Carpenter's The Fog in the room it was it was unbelievable the amount of smoking that was going on on stage and in the audience was insane i mean fire code be damned you know what i mean like i yeah. it, it was unbelievable it was unbelievable but yeah 
boy. Yeah. But smoking in high school and, you know, and, and accepted by the, the school. Like, yeah, here's your smoking section. Like, I mean, the fact that there was a smoking section is bananas. Yeah. For the students. For the students. <laughs> it was insane. I remember, you know, and I really, I guess I really didn't think anything of it because, like, if you, because when I went to grade school, Hamilton, obviously, you know, smoking was, was forbidden, but kids did it. Like, they would go around the corner, hang out in an alley, because we were right, like, our schools, I mean, it was a public school. It was right near an alley, and, you know, you could do anything. There's a playground. You could hang out by a dumpster and smoke and blow weed. There were a lot of great places to get high around Hamilton grade school. And... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of great places and I knew them all and and um so you could smoke cigarettes you can blow weed and everything and get away with it but it wasn't sanctioned by the school so when I got to Luther North and I saw like there was an actual sanctioned <laughs> by the school section for people to smoke I was like wow that's pretty amazing so yeah maybe it's I guess we can watch them <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was... As long as it's under my roof, it's okay. Yeah, I, exactly. Like, remember, remember, like, in the back in the day, and of course, you, you, you know, parents would get murdered today if they did this, but you remember, like, if there was a party and parents, like, gave, the parents would give, like, 17 or 18-year-old booze? Do you know, like, mm -hmm. people, you know, like, that was a thing in the 70s. Yeah. Like, yeah long as, you, as long as your parents say it's, as long as your parents say it's okay, go ahead and load up on booze, you're 15. You know, like, <laughs> and those were the, remember, those were the cool parents back in my day. Like, right. And then like recently, I mean, people have done that and then they've gotten in trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. kids, something happens with the kids and then it's like, well, yeah. they were drinking at so-and-so's house. They were drinking at so-and-so's so Somebody gets into an accident or they drive drunk or they get, you know, they haven't, you know, something horrible happens or they get sick, you know? Yeah. But like, I remember like the cool parents in the 70s were like, yeah, I, you know, I've been teaching my kid about weed. You know, like they you blow weed at, <laughs> with your with your with your parents. I knew I knew people who blew weed with their parents. You Which know? also amazes me because, like, isn't that wouldn't that then just make turn you off on it and just be like, oh, yeah, this is the uncoolest thing ever. Well, you know, I mean, it's <laughs> it, dad it, does it. it yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, like last night uh, was, you know, as we as we record this last night was the Golden Globes um, and Robert Downey mm -hmm. Jr. Robert Downey Jr. won for Best Supporting Actor for, for I think one of his worst performances ever. I think he's terrible in Oppenheimer, but he's going to win the Oscar. And after last night, after the Golden Globes, clearly Oppenheimer is going to win everything. It's going to win Best Picture. Yeah. No one's going to win. That. It's a bunch of shit and it's going to win. But um, but Downey Robert Downey Jr. is a is a tremendous example of a kid who was brought up by Robert Robert Downey Sr., who was a filmmaker and and and, and a really interesting and crazy artist, but also a hippie. And Robert Downey yeah. Jr. is my Robert Downey Jr. and I are the same age. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was raised by uh, an anarchist artist slash hippie, who mm -hmm. Robert Downey Jr. started blowing weed at like eight seven. With, yeah. with Robert Downey Jr. And, of course, you see what happened to Robert Downey Jr. You know, like all that yeah. horrible shit he went through with substance abuse and he ended up in jail and all this stuff. He had to get yeah, sober. Like and he Drew Barrymore, his... too? She yeah, same so thing. Young. Exactly. She was going to part. She was going to, like, Studio 54 at 6. You know what I mean? And doing, doing blow. Cocaine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I'm and, just like, how are people just giving it to her? I could get I had to understand it, you're at Studio 54, but, you know, you don't have to give the child cocaine. No, you don't. I mean, Andy Warhol. Yeah, you can give him coke. But like the six year old sitting next to him, you don't want to <laughs> like give her like, a Shirley Temple. Yeah. Have fun, go dance. Right. Jesus. Yeah. But the Barrymore says another family right there. The Barrymores are a family of addicts. 
You know, I mean, she comes from a long lineage of people who enjoyed booze and substances, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, rough. But no, and, and then even, you know, like in, when I was growing up, I was brother, even people who weren't rich and famous and had famous parents were doing that. Like I knew people who, who were living in an apartment, you know, paying, paying month to month, going to public school, and their parents were blowing weed with them I, I, and letting them drink. I mean, these <laughs> weren't superstars with thing. money. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's just such a funny thing because you would, you know, kids usually get turned off when your parents do right. whatever, and they're like, "I'm not going to do that now." But yeah. this seems okay. <laughs> yeah, this is the great equalizer. It is. It's it's <laughs> absolutely nuts. So, um, but yeah, partying and, and how did this whole oh because kids are getting up at six o'clock in the morning to go to school. That's how <laughs> they're very diligent. They got to get high before school. That's they right. You got <laughs> these You're kids doing that it I... at the CPS schools. You got to be at That's least right. uh, six a.m. I guess <laughs> these kids that these kids that I saw walking to the school on the south side this morning at ten after seven. They were clearly had to get up at like five thirty to to get high. I mean, they clearly. <laughs> How are you, you expected? You know, gotta how are be, you uh, ready to go? How are you expected to function at school in the morning if you don't get a couple of shots of Jack and a couple of joints in your system before uh, before you go? Oh, God. oh man, the education system. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you say, by the way, when you're yeah, drinking. Yeah. Man. yeah, yeah. That's what you would hear in the back of the chapel service in the gym, like uh, of the guys who were. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi. I love Nick's show. Oh, Carrie, Carrie! Oh, Carrie's wearing a shirt that said, "I didn't win a Golden Globe last night." That's the shirt she's wearing right mm. now. Aww. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, I and know, Carrie. I All love right. Nick's show. All right, no. Carrie. So, uh, speaking of the Golden Globes, uh, you did you watch? Did you watch uh, the, the 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 festivities? I did. Yeah. Um, wow. It was okay. <laughs> uh, I felt bad. It wasn't for- anything like amazingly like, ooh, ah. Yeah. I felt bad for Joe Coy because I like him, um, but he was not the right host. And man, did he bomb. Um, yeah, they, whatever. I mean, he didn't come up with those jokes out of nowhere. No, no, no. You and know? when he, like, when he, he was, when he, these. that was the thing. When he said, look, I'm not the one who wrote most of this stuff. And he was telling the truth. You know, uh, and, which and, is and, fine, but I'm also like, did you not read them over? Yeah, you were cool with that because that's not funny. <laughs> he uh, he got hired. Uh, they literally hired him less than ten days ago. He was hired. Yeah, you know, and then like they brought him in. I'm sure they gave him a check and a fucking half more, a bigger payday than Joe Coy has ever had. You know what I mean? Right. Like they paid him a shit ton of money, and then he wrote some stuff. And I, you could, I could tell when it was Joe Coy, because I like Joe Coy. I think he's very funny. I think mm-hmm. he's a good stand-up. I loved him on At Midnight. Uh, he was a regular on Chelsea lately. They dated for a while, uh, Chelsea Handler and him, mm-hmm. and I thought they were a hilarious couple together because I love her. And I liked the guy, but he was not right for that room. Like, I mean, when he made that Taylor Swift joke, I thought she was going to get up and kill him. Um, so that was, you know, like he was, he was greeted with either cold blank stares or death stares from people in the room. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it just wasn't funny. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. And some of the stuff that he I said was know. funny, but most of it was terrible. And then, I mean, and it he, was like, oh, huh. huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that's great. <laughs> and then they would cut to it people like, like a laugh out loud situation. And they would cut to people like Scorsese, who was like, what the fuck? He's like looking around. What is this guy talking about? You know? And, and, uh, and of course, I mean, obviously, the re- the reaction shot of the night was when he made the football joke about Taylor Swift, and she just took to 
big sip of wine and looked at him like, I will kill you, was the look that Taylor, yeah. Taylor Swift <laughs> But yeah, but then, I, the, but I, you know what, he wasn't, the, the worst moments of that show belonged to Kevin Costner. Did you see the Kevin Costner <laughs> America <laughs> Ferrera? I didn't understand what was happening there. I'm like, and, is he... Is that written or is no. he just going? Here's what I think happened. I mean, the fact that he was able to just ad lib that, good for you. <laughs> but I was like, what the fuck? Okay, kind of sincere. I think the bit the bit was supposed to be this, like this, or at least what I could fathom out of the disaster. That and then they presented a second award. Like when it was over, I'm like, oh thank God. And then they both show up. You know, they're still standing there to present a second award. I'm like, oh shit, he's going to talk again. Oh my God. So <laughs> I think the bit was this because America Ferrera sets this thing up. Um, yeah. Because like obviously the monologue of the year last year is America Ferrera's monologue about being a woman in Barbie. It's the mm-hmm. best fucking monologue of the year and one of the great. I think one of the best monologues. Ever. And she delivers it beautifully. And it is, without question, the best monologue delivered last year. And so the setup, I thought, looked like she started to quote the bodyguard. Remember? She was like, oh, I saw the bodyguard. And she started to quote lines from the bodyguard. And he was supposed to start quoting from her monologue in Barbie. And I think like halfway through, he probably never saw Barbie. He doesn't give a shit. He's in Yellowstone. You know, what the fuck? He doesn't care. And he clearly derailed at one point because I think he was supposed to verbatim continue saying lines from her monologue because her next line was, hey, are you going to continue to deliver my monologue? And he's like, no. I was like, what the fuck? What is happening right now? Some of I these, mean- some of these um, I th- I, what cracks me up about all this is that like, so you agree to yeah. present yeah. No one told, no one said, no one forced you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, like, y'all read for a lip. Like, you have to read things. Right. For a li- right. How is this so difficult? It's like yeah. a couple. Lines. I, it's, it not, is, it's, it, it's absurd. Right? You would think they would get it right. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And, and like, he was terrible. He was the worst. But there were other ones that were terrible. And, and, and obviously, the material. Whoever the writers were for the Golden Globes, just in addition to the shit that they wrote for Joe Coy, the introductions for the for the uh, uh, presentation, the award presentation, were fucking terrible. I mean, just terrible. And whatever they were attempting to do, whether they were trying to be serious and send a message or they were trying to be funny, it failed on every level. The writing was horrendous. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it wasn't good. No, I mean, for me, the funniest presenters were uh, John Baptiste and, oh, God, um, the singer that was up I there with no him. I have no idea who that was. Okay. <laughs> she's a, I can't remember her name, and she's a musician and a singer. They were awesome. They were fantastic. Mm-hmm. They were hilarious, and they were loose, and they were making fun of it. And, yeah. and I thought, I thought John, who I love John Baptiste. I think he's, I think he's great. And, and, um, and he was hilarious, and she was great. And I was like, this is the only, and then, oh, wait. No, the best was when Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell came out, and they did that weird dance to the Yeah. <laughs> See, but that... then again, it's like, they know how to, but again, yeah. it's like written. Yeah. It's, it's read the damn thing. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're unsure, I'm sure they will give you a copy, Yeah, and you can look it over beforehand. <laughs> now, were there any uh, awards that you were happy about or surprised by, or what? Or did you care about any of it, or was it just what? And, and dresses. The, the, how about how about the dress? By the way, uh, 
that uh, Divine Joy, uh, 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 what's her name from? Uh, oh shit, Divine the Joy holdovers. Yeah, my God, I was like, she's gonna pop out. She is gonna yeah. pop out of that dress. I was like, like oh my God, there's her. there is. Oh, she looked fantastic. Are you kidding? She looked fantastic. But I was like, oh shit, she's. Gonna- I hope there's enough tape. Because, <laughs> my God, she was shelved. You know what I mean? And she's got a bosom. And I was like, this is spectacular, but I hope she doesn't <laughs> hope she doesn't pop out. She looked fantastic. But I was like, at any moment, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is going to, she's going to pop out. But I was glad she won. I was glad Paul Giamatti won. I was happy about that. Yeah. I was like, good for you, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know if he's won. Has he won many Golden Globes? I'm he's not won, sure. He's won. He, 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 he actually... Record. He he's won I think a few because he you know like he won for John Adams and I think he won for Cinderella Man he won the Golden Globe for Sideways back in two thousand four, um mm-hmm. but he wasn't even nominated for Sideways and then Jamie Fox ended up winning but you know how they split it up between drama and comedy and so that's why he won the Golden Globe and wouldn't oh, win for Sideways because Jamie Fox Ray is not a comedy it's a drama but Sideways is a comedy so and yeah. hold holdovers is is a comedy well considered a comedy. That's why Killian Murphy won. And the fact is that I think Paul Giamatti is going to get screwed again this year. You know, he deserves to win for the holdovers, but fucking Killian Murphy is going to win because, you know, Oppenheimer is going to win everything. Yeah. So, but I like Killian Murphy, though. He's a, he's a, yeah. Beautiful dude, and I, I was, like him. I, just I was didn't happy think... to see him win, I guess. Did he, has he won before? No. No, 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 no. Okay, uh, well, go yeah, for no. him then. No, I mean, I, listen, I because because the thing is, I love Killian Murphy and I love him. I didn't think he was very good in Oppenheimer, and I think that movie sucks. So I'm not happy that these people are winning. Like Robert Downey, mm. I thought Robert Downey was fucking terrible in Oppenheimer, terrible. Uh, and you know, and for him to beat like Gosling or you know, like Ryan Gosling and Barbie, which is so much better, a much better performance, and uh, that Charles Mel- Moulton from um, May December, that guy's unbelievable in that movie. And for Downey to win it, I'm like, well, clearly, the tr- the the Oppenheimer train is rolling, and it's going to steamroll right through everybody in March. You know, yeah, yeah. it did seem a little. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing I we did. Can do it about did crack it. me up um, when they were. It was the two people, and I like watching that show, Ghosts. Yeah, yeah, uh, they were great. They were great. And he goes, yeah, oh, great. It's a bunch of white people from yeah. other languages, from other <laughs> yeah, countries. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, whoever it was, um, whoever did um, past lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and whoever did past lives. But that was funny. But then they also were like, didn't they say, was that was that the same? Oh, no, 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 that wasn't them. That was when uh, um, the dude who played, the, the, uh, Issa, Issa Rae and the, the guy from Barbie, the Asian guy from Barbie. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> when they came out and and, uh, and white people rolls, yeah, and they were like white people rolls, and they were all alcoholics. I was on the floor mm-hmm. during that. That was hilarious. An alcoholic teacher, an yeah, alcoholic teacher, yeah, exactly. Alcoholic housewife. That one, white, yeah, white people rolls. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. That was great. That was great. And you know, because they came over like, I bet you were all surprised that I was a Ken, and she's like, and I was a Barbie because we don't look like Ken mm-hmm. and Barbie. And then that's yeah. when they went into the whole thing about the white people roles. I thought that was great too. Uh, yeah, I actually like that. I like that. And I don't understand uh, the they they're giving out stand up awards now. Um, well, so I thought that was such bullshit. Yeah. Because again, it's like, oh, cool people who I honest in my opinion don't deserve it. Yeah. Um, 
there was only one I thought that was like, oh, Wanda Sykes. I yeah, thought she should have. But like everybody else, I'm like, oh, well, great. I, I, I generic. I, I love. Stand-up. I love Gervais. I'm, I'm, I love Ricky Gervais, and and uh, he, he's the one who won. And I think it's ironic that he won since you know he used to host the Golden Globes and like cause all the controversy. Remember when he would host the Golden yeah. Globes and piss everybody off? Uh, but yeah, I, I, I of the, all those specials, the only I like the Trevor Noah one. I thought the Trevor Noah one was funny. Um, I like the Wanda Sykes, and I, I mean, I love Ricky Gervais, but but I thought that like like Jim Gaffigan comes out, and I'm like, what does he do? It's <laughs> just weird. And then the other one that they, they the the new. The new award that they handed out, you remember the other one? It was, uh, uh, it was Mark Hamill came out, and it was a combination of it made a lot of money and people liked it. Remember, like it was like cine- it was yeah. like, and it, and it went to Barbie because you know uh, uh, because it was like box office whatever cinematic achievement. Like, what is that? What does that even mean? That it was like yeah, I was like, isn't this I- all? Of about that? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was like, what the fuck are you talking? It was like, but I guess it's like. It made a lot of money, and but but it was also good. Was that the, I guess that was what they were like. It's shocking that a good movie made money. Is that what the category is? I don't know. I guess because there's. And, I mean, there are some movies that are really, um, people really love, but yeah. will never get nominated. Like John Wick. Yeah, it'll get nominated for like choreography or, st- or editing, yeah, editing, editing, whatever. Yeah. 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 But like, but like, so for I instance, like, them being but like, like a like category the, for that, I guess. W- one of the one of the nominations in that category was fucking the Super Mario Super Mario Brothers movie. It's one of the worst movies, widely considered. Oh, for the one, animated? Yeah, no, 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 for that box office thing for the for the Barbie oh, and the oh, okay. yeah, like the Super Mario Brothers. Like, who the fuck? Like, nobody liked that movie. There was no cinematic achievement <laughs> from that movie at and they all. Were, well they were also nominated for animated and then, yeah, it was I mean in my opinion it's only because well it's an animated move through exactly it you're exact that's exactly uh, right and that's why wish was nominated and that's why elemental was nominated they were both bad movies you know and i i don't know i mean the the spider-man movie and the boy and the heron were the two best animated movies last year though they yeah. were you know and i bet you there are more other there are more animated movies out that they just did not even fucking recognize you're right uh just put i'm wish sure in there. it's there disney has to be yeah it's wish yeah. just put there, disney whatever. in there like, whatever uh, it's a super mario brothers oh look it made you know 700 million dollars at the box office let's nominate it even though it's a steaming pile of shit I, my favorite was my favorite was that you know when 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 that Super Mario Brothers movie came out this past year, <laughs> and the reviews started to hit the internet and they started to hit social media and stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't. I wish I could remember who it was because I'd love to attribute the critic. It may have been Brian Tellerico. Uh, may have been Brian Tellerico, who is the president of the Chicago Film Critics Association and also writes for RogerEbert.com. Mm-hmm. I'm almost positive it was him. And the headline. You know how you have to have like a clever headline for the review. His yeah. headline, his headline for the for the uh, his review of the Super Mario Brothers movie was, "It's a terrible." That was his. That was his <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, that was, uh, so all right. Well, anyway, the Golden Globes. I mean, basically, what what it was. I mean, there were I guess there were a few entertaining things like um, you know that that happened. Oh, out. um, here I found it. Uh, it's a bad. It's a bad. It's a bad. Yeah, that's. <laughs> It's a bad, it's yeah. bad, <laughs> and even he had to do the accent because they weren't doing the damn accent in the damn right. movie. Yeah, no, I know because it's politically incorrect to do that, and uh, you know, I don't know. And I have to go back, and I, I don't have to go back, but I'm really curious to go back because when that movie came out, I was like, well, you know, I I saw the Bob Hoskins John Leguizamo movie. I remember seeing it. 
Uh, well, what's the- funny is, well, they did it. I think they were doing more New York plumbers yeah. because there was the television show, the Super Mario Brothers Hour, where they would like host cartoons. Okay. And it was them. It was it was real action Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario. So would they would they say like, here's the cartoon? Would they do that? No, they just oh, no. they kind of spoken like New York accents. They oh, were they like did- plumber <laughs> from New York. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, I took a date to see that fucking movie. <laughs> wow. It was a press screening, so I was like, "This is impressive. I'll take you to see a free screening of the Super Mario Brothers movie with Bob Hoskins." <laughs> Idiot. Uh, well, I guess as we as what was established uh, by watching the Golden Globes is that, as we just said, is that it's all going to be Oppenheimer in March. That's it. So, anyway, and yeah. Kristen I Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell were fun. And. And I love, uh, I love uh, the that Billie Eilish and her brother one. I love her, and I love, and I love that. Song. Yeah, so, that's a yeah. great song. Mm-hmm. It is, and and I know for me the highlight of uh, of the Oscars, if they're if they've got any brains at all, the highlight of the Oscars is le- if they haven't, you know, scheduled this or anything, but they need to have Ryan Gosling perform. I'm just Ken. They have to. They they have yeah. To. <laughs> Because it'll be the by far the best part of the entire night will be him performing. I'm just Ken. So or peaches. Yeah, pe- all of that. Peaches. I think it's hilarious that that was nominated. I was waiting. And I was like, it would be great if it won. It if, would just wouldn't be that great. be hilarious? Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> My like even Jack Black's like, I don't know why the fuck I'm here. I, I, exactly. <laughs> it's just so funny. So funny. Well, anyway. All right. Now, um, by the way, I wanted to mention um, that uh, our great friend Deanna, who is a regular uh, mm-hmm. uh, subscriber listener to this podcast and has been listening to my show for a couple of decades, I think, um, always oh, likes wow. to send us stuff. Uh, and she sent us some Mexican candy, which we always like to taste test. But I'm I'm certain someone took it from my lobby in my apartment building. Ah. So you do have some great Mexican candy, and you're going to do a taste right. test. Esmeralda so Leon... It's, it's not do a Mexican test. candy. Oh, it's not. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, okay. So this is candy. So it's the the whole premise is it's like candy from around the world. Oh, from around the um, world. Okay. Not okay. And for this this box is from Spain. Okay. So what do you got? What are we gonna What are we gonna hear? So, so one of the things we have is a fried egg and sea salt flavored chip. Oh man. Okay. Fried egg and sea salt. <laughs> flavored so, chip we'll see how this okay is there is there anything like wacky chip? what wait, is there anything wacky on the bag is there like a, a, a uh, no it's just a fried egg <laughs> okay no, okay okay this is spanish food they're very it's very like streamlined it's okay a, a all black bag there's just like the fried egg on it and then okay some chips <laughs> all right here we go so a fried egg sea salt sea salt fried egg chip yeah so it smells, it smells like a chip. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Holy shit. Yeah. That does taste like a fried egg. Does it really? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Like you get that, like it tastes like a fried egg that got cooked in olive oil. No shit, really? Wow. You got that, sounds- that eggy taste. That's so weird. Okay, That's so so so, it, so so thumbs up on the fried egg chip. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! That's nice. And by the way, by it's the a way, little unsettling. I bet. No, I know. I just, it is. It's always weird. Like when you taste a jelly bean that doesn't 
because the cons- you know because the consistency is so weird and it tastes like something else. Mm-hmm. It's all, it always it always tricks your brain. You know, like when I have when I have the the Jelly Belly that tastes like buttered popcorn, it's always weird to me because I'm like, man, this is not it's not crunchy. It doesn't have the texture of popcorn, and yet I taste it, so my brain gets all screwed up. <laughs> Yet it tastes like popcorn. It's crazy. What By the way, take, make, make sure you take a uh, take a photo of these of these bags mm-hmm. or uh, the packages, yes. and then we'll, we'll I'll put it up on the socials when when we uh, when we when this goes to when this goes to uh, out yeah yeah. Drops. So all right, so the fried egg fried egg potato chip or the fried egg flavored chip a plus. That's a good one. Yes, that's okay. good. What's next? Um, the next one is a pistachio flavored toffee. Well, now, see that sounds great. Uh, apparently pistachios are like huge in Spain. Okay. <laughs> so it's pistachio a pistachio flavored toffee. Is it green? It is not. It is brown. It's, okay, it's brown. Okay. So pistachio flavored toffee. Oh, oh my god. Again. Yeah. That really tastes like to- like pistachios. Wow. All right. Jesus. <laughs> So far, I both like I would think I'm eating a pistachio. All right, so both of, both of these seem to have freaked you out so far. So the fry the Friday well, you know, <laughs> again, like you don't expect it to be really right. pistachio. Oh yeah, right. Okay, pistachio. And then it's <laughs> yeah. like, a, like a sweet, whatever, nutty thing. And it's like, oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. We can say pistachio, but yeah. Ooh. Okay. All right. So pistachio flavored toffee and fried egg flavored chip, both shockingly taste like the items that they're supposed to taste like. Yes. Wow, cool. All right, what's last uh, for for today? All right, so the last one we have is gummies, and they are spicy mango. Spicy mango gummies. Yes. Are they shaped like anything? Are they shaped like bears or anything? They are shaped like mangoes. (laughs) Oh, 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 okay. So it's mango-shaped gummies that are spicy mango-flavored. Yeah. Okay. So they they smell like a typical like candy that would be a mango. Okay. It's just spicy. Yeah. Mm. Does it have a little kick? Yeah. Yeah. It's more hot than like oh, there's a spice to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a little heat. There's a lot of heat, but not necessarily a good spice. I gotcha. Yeah, like you know when you eat Mexican candies and they're spicy. There's like like a flavor. Oh, absolutely. To the spice. No question about and it. This is just like this is just, just heat. hot. Just heat. Now, <laughs> can you can you hot mangoes? <laughs> but you can taste the mango. Does the mango flavor? Yeah, come it's a nice. Yeah, it's a nice mango flavor. Okay. They All really. Right. I feel like in other countries, they're just like they're trying to get the mango, or whatever they're trying to make it as real, mm-hmm. like what it's supposed to be. So if you had to Not rank like here where it's just like banana and then it's like yeah. some weird and then it doesn't really ta- it, it tastes like banana for a millisecond and completely disappears and it just tastes like rubber at that point. Yeah. 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 All right. So if you had to rank it, you got your spicy mango gummy, you got your pistachio flavored toffee, and you got your fried egg flavored chip. Rank them one to three. Um, oh, like uh, best. To, not first, best. To worst, third. But yeah. Yeah. First, second, third. OK. Uh, the fried egg. Chips number one or number, number one. one. OK. Uh, number two is the pistachio toffee, and uh, number three is the spicy, spicy mangoes. Mango. Okay, cool. All right. Because the mango's nice. It's nice, but yeah. uh, the toffee is, like, it's really good. Well, one, yeah. I like toffee. Yeah. Um, but that pistachio, it's just like it does really taste like a 
wow. a proper pistachio. Cool. All right. Awesome. Okay, cool. So um, we take a picture of those and we'll put that up on the, mm-hmm. uh, on the, on the visual side of the, uh, of, of the socials when we drop the, when the episode drops. So that's cool. Yeah. Fried egg potato chip, number one, pistachio toffee, number two, spank, spicy mango gummy, number three, but they all were good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. We're we'll do it again. We'll do it again next time. Deny any of them. <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. Well, there it is. Esmeralda uh, gives us thoughts on the Golden Globes and on some uh, snacks from around the world. And we'll do that again uh, the next time. And the next time we get together, Monica Ng will be our, our guest yeah. from Axios. Uh, we'll talk about her book and a whole bunch of other great stuff that they're writing about at Axios Chicago. Uh, so make sure you check that out. My thanks to Dan Feinberg for talking about TV and so much more. My thanks to you for checking us out. If you would like to uh, be a, a sponsor on this podcast, we'd love to have you. Advertise here. Lots of people listen to the podcast. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. You want to leave a voicemail for us, 24-7-773-417-6948. Email anytime you want. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. And get those uh, magic megaphone uh, requests in, even though I, I'm backlogged. <laughs> but get them in anyway. Uh, <laughs> Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sound. Ed does everything else. Please take the time to um, share, rate, review us on every platform. Check out RadioMisfits.live and be with us next time on uh, that. Sh- no, that show hasn't been fun. No, that's a different. That's a different. <laughs> <laughs> but also oh, that one that one too yeah listen to that one too but uh, join me and uh, and as and, uh, and all the others and monica ang next time on uh, the nick d podcast right here at radio misfits uh podcast network thanks everybody <laughs>